am Alexander Badgett, and you're listening to The Bankster Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to the fascinating and ever more consequential world of central banking. Today was going to be another round of Centralverse Q&A, but I got so caught up the first on the first question that the episode no longer really fit the model of the short answer, background info, and long answer, that format that I've designed for the Centralverse Q&A episodes. So, the question but the question involves one of the most important people at the Federal Reserve. So I decided to dedicate this entire episode to that person. Now, unlike the title the eighth governor suggests, the person is actually not a governor, and he is definitely not the eighth governor. Remember, there are only seven governor positions at the Board of Governors in Washington, D.C. However, the person wields such power at the U.S. Central Bank that the position is often deemed the eighth governor. Now, who is this powerful person, and what is his responsibilities? Well, the subject of today's episode is Mark E. Vanderwide, General Counsel of the Federal Reserve. Vanderwide was appointed as General Counsel just two months ago. So, before I introduce you to what we know about him, I'm going to describe the position of General Counsel of the Federal Reserve and use a few examples from the tenure of Vanderwide's predecessor, Scott Alvarez, to illustrate the job. For those of you unfamiliar with the term general counsel, as I was not long ago before joining the corporate world, it is an internal position that normally means three things, or it has normally three responsibilities. It's normally the highest ranked uh, lawyer or the highest ranking lawyer. It's the head of the legal department. And third, the, the person gives advice to the management of the company concerning legal matters that affect the company, past, present, or future. Or, as Google nicely summarizes, the main lawyer who gives legal advice to a company. (laughs) All major companies have general counsel. The general counsel is involved in almost every aspect of what a company does, making sure that the products or services will pass regulations, advising management on city, county, state, national, and even international laws that govern the company's industry, or the industry that the company's product is in. They're involved in everything from the contracts and benefits of employees to the nitty-gritty of details of company expansions and mergers and acquisitions. It's an important job in any company, and the Federal Reserve is no exception. Now, as you know, the Federal Reserve isn't just any company. In fact, it's the biggest player in what I describe at the beginning of every episode as the fascinating and ever more consequential world of central banking. So, I'm now going to give two examples of what Scott Alvarez the general counsel of the Federal Reserve from 2004 up until just a few months ago. Uh, Two examples from his 13-year tenure. Okay, example number one, bailouts. Do the following names sound familiar to you? Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Bear Stearns, BNP Paribas, Morgan Stanley, Lehman Brothers, AIG, these are all financial, financial institutions that were very troubled at one point or another during the financial crisis of 2007, 8, and 9. 
Now, the Federal Reserve has an implicit job to protect the economy from panics like this one and then prevent the panics that do occur from morphing into economy and life-destroying depressions. One way that the Federal Reserve does this is through the discount window and through other emergency lending facilities, or basically, which basically means other loans. But who can the Federal Reserve lend to? And for how long can the loans be offered? What are the terms of these loans? Well, the Federal Reserve... In order to answer this question, we have to go back. Back to when the Federal Reserve was created by an act of Congress. The the 1913 Act and the handful of amendments that have passed since then dictate the answer to some of these questions. However, the law is often vague and it gives incredible discretion to the Federal Reserve for interpreting the laws. During the financial crisis, some of the institutions I named just a second ago received significant help from the Federal Reserve, while others did not receive help. Ultimately, the most important voice in the debate about who could receive Federal Reserve money, who could not, how long and at what terms they could receive the money, was the voice of Scott Alvarez, the general counsel. It was his job to interpret the Federal Reserve Act as it applied to these situations. He suggested that the Fed had the authority to facilitate the rescue of Bear Stearns by J.P. Morgan Chase, but when a last-minute deal for the British bank Barclays to purchase the collapsing Lehman Brothers Investment Bank fell through, Alvarez said that that was the end of the rope for the Fed. They could go no further and had to let Lehman Brothers fail. Not long after the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers, Alvarez signed off on an emergency loan to AIG, a large insurance company. So, sometimes they saved him, sometimes they didn't. Now, it is important to remember, and I'm going to reiterate these two things that I mentioned before about the laws governing what the Federal Reserve can and cannot do. Number one, the law is often vague. And two, it gives incredible discretion to the Fed in interpreting the law. So when Ben Bernanke, chairman of the Federal Reserve at the time of the crisis, was trying to keep the economy from completely collapsing, he had to rely on Alvarez's interpretations and judgments about what was within the power of the Federal Reserve and what was without. Now, that's just the first and... An extreme example of the role that the general counsel plays at the Federal Reserve. On to the second example, legislation. One of President Obama's key legislative victories during his time as president was the Dodd-Frank Financial Reform Act. The Federal Reserve is a critical player, obviously, in the financial system. So it had a lot of input to add to the debate about how the system should be changed and adapted to fit the post-crisis world. Alvarez and the legal team at the Federal Reserve were involved in two major ways with this law. The first was during the drafting of the law itself. Congress and the Treasury Department brought in Federal Reserve attorneys and Federal Reserve bank examiners to provide their input and their perspective into what happened during the crisis and what could be changed to prevent a similar collapse in the economy in the future. So, the Fed lawyers were helping with the writing of the legislation. That's the first. The second came after the act was passed. As with many laws that Congress passes, the Dodd-Frank Act did not spell out every new rule and regulation. Often, it just said something to the effect of, quote, 
there will be a rule about how much capital a bank must hold. Close quote. These types of statements normally have some kind of footnote that says the specific rule will be written by the Federal Reserve. That's when the Federal Reserve lawyers and the respective internal knowledge experts get together and write out the specifics of each rule that Congress assigned to the Fed to not only enforce, but also to write. So the power to, number one, interpret when and how the Federal Reserve can use their money-creating powers, and two, write the rules that govern the financial industry, those two powers are in the hands of the general counsel. That kind of power is why the position is so important. Now, before I share with you a few facts about the new general counsel of the Fed, I need to point out one more important characteristic of the position. For all its power, it is not a political appointment. The man or woman that holds the two powers we've talked about today is chosen by senior leadership of the Fed. That's it. The framers of the Federal Reserve System designed it like that as an additional buffer to keep the country's central bank as apolitical as possible. But a great debate can be had over whether this is right or this is wrong. Peter Conti Brown, a professor at Wharton, wrote an excellent article in the Wall Street Journal about the position of Fed General Counsel and why it should be a politically appointed position. I highly recommend it and his book, The Power and Independence of the Federal Reserve, which goes into much greater detail about the General Counsel and other important yet little understood facets of the Federal Reserve. Let's now turn our attention to the newly appointed General Counsel. Mark E. Vanderweide began his career at the Fed in 1998. He graduated from the University of Iowa with a degree in history and philosophy and received his JD from Yale, graduating in 1995. He spent a few years with a law firm in D.C. before taking a position in the Federal Reserve's legal department, where he worked for the next 10 years. From 2009 to 2010, he was assigned to work at the, tr- at the U.S. Treasury in crafting the Dodd-Frank Act, which we mentioned earlier in the episode. Then, from 2010 up until a few months ago, Vanderwide served as the Deputy Director in the Division of Supervision and Regulation. Now, he is the General Counsel. So, in summary, whenever the Fed is in the news, you'll hear the press clamoring for an interview with Janet Yellen, the current chairwoman, Bill Dudley president of the New York Fed, or any of the other governors or presidents. However, you can guarantee that in the background, the general counsel has been working hard and had a large influence on the decision that is garnering the news, or at least the wording and framing of it. Today's episode was written, edited, and produced by me, Alexander Badgett. Reach out with your feedback, comments, and questions on Twitter or via my website, www.thebanksterpodcast.com. Leave a rating and share the podcast with your coworkers and classmates. Thanks to all of you for listening, and I'll see you next time on The Bankster Podcast. <laughs>